smile, mm -hmm. breathe, mm -hmm. and just remember, it's too late to get out of it, so you might as well go on. Do you ever get the feeling that people are incapable of not caring? You know, I'm screwed up and average enough that I could write a song that'll live on forever. And then after that, it don't matter. I am the king of gay chickens. No, seriously, what the fuck? Honestly, you're in a memory in your subconscious. Fuck! Seriously? I don't know what you've been told, little lady, but the rest of us start at nine. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm just kidding. Good morning. Hi, Benny! Looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river! <laughs> Is it gonna be like this all the time? Uh, I'm tired. Yeah, you I tired? Get you. I get you I'm a little tired. bit, a little bit. Getting more tired all the time. Welcome back to our podcast. How Sam's doing personally? <laughs> uh, I'm sure there but are I'm not a lot gonna... of podcasts that are exactly <clears throat> that. Yeah, mm. yeah. But I'm not going to let it show. You'd no. never know. Of course not. If I hadn't said that. It would never have come across. I'm going to sound If you tune into the podcast 30 and seconds in. And bubbly. You should be going happy. Yeah. Happy. <laughs> hey. Oh. Hey. Man. I'm on a, I'm on a public platform. Oh, you can I'm say having, whatever you want. I'm you can talk a, about whatever you want. What? No, we can't. We're in a very uh, strict structure. But it's a platform where we could technically say anything about anything. Well, that's and true. And we do tangent a lot. That's true of any platform. You can technically say anything. But, I mean, you shouldn't, especially like if you're like a preschool teacher. Yeah. There are a lot of things you shouldn't tell them. What shouldn't you tell them? About vampires and how they're definitely well, I was, real. I was leaning towards something like vampires. Yeah. Um, about the, uh, the, about like the Illuminati. 60% of their parents are going to be divorced soon. Yep. Yeah. That's a good thing to lead on. Yep. Look to the child, look to the person on your left. Look to the person on your eye. Statistically, two of you will become vampires. <laughs> you could tell them about the sadness that at least two of these people will end up together. The, the ten people in your preschool yeah, class. Yeah, true, actually. Two of you will end up spending your entire lives yeah, together. Two of you are going to get married quite early on, and the rest of you are going to be like, ooh. <laughs> and sometimes, weirdly, those marriages will stick together. But even if those marriages stick together, ten years down the line, you look at it and you're still like, Ooh. Yeah, you think, are you forcing this? What's going on underneath the surface Ooh. there? Who's? But in, in actual fact, by that point, you're just jealous of their happiness and stability. This is true, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just projecting <laughs> by assuming that, oh, I bet they're not happy. Mm -hmm. I bet it's all a lie. How can they be happy? How can anyone when else be happy, happy so young? when I feel the way I do? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Exceptional Thieves. <laughs> This is a podcast where Isaac and I review and rewrite movies. I'm Sam. I'm Isaac. And this is like the 10th, I think. Oh, I think it's the 8th. Like last me... week was the 7th, wasn't it? Let me pull this up, actually, because I keep fucking where? this up. Whipping up the list. This is the ninth episode oh. of Turns of Phrase, our special series, where we're watching and reviewing and sometimes rewriting, because that's what we do. That's what we add to the Brendan Fraser discourse. This is true. The entire filmography of the one and only Brendan Fraser, the king of film. Today we're talking about... With fuck, honors. With, with honours. 
Yeah. Literally just finished watching it. And they say with honors about 10 times during the film. And Closer to the end, though. They say it in Latin a few times. They hold... Oh, yeah. Do yeah, they? At the start, he says... Um, with ore honorarium. Oh, pseudicum laude, or we're top of the class, or whatever that translates to. Yeah, but that's not that's not with honors. But like they say, the like multiple people can have yeah. honors. Um, I graduated with distinction. Ooh, not sure what that means. Um, you know, true you story. I got a. I I didn't know that was going to happen, and then I was, I saw my this is my undergrad degree, and it said with distinction, and you have to get a certain GPA to have that, and I'm like point one over that threshold. <laughs> nice, <laughs> like. Point like I could not have been closer to not being with distinction, but I put that on my CV to this day. <laughs> nice, you should, you should. Hell yeah, mine still counts. Just still says counts. Graduated. Yeah, because says technically mine's, graduated. Mine's barely there. <laughs> Legally graduated. <laughs> You've met the requirements. I was like, all right, all right, all right. But I was like, man, if I got one mark different on one subject, I wouldn't be the great man of distinction I am oh, today. Man. How different would your life be? My posture would be worse. <laughs> Tell you that much. Yeah? Yeah. Probably wear cheaper shoes. Mm. My financial position would be the same, but... You just would live differently. <laughs> I like to try to communicate people through my shoes that I graduated my undergraduate degree with, technically with distinction. <laughs> with honours. Brendan Fraser. With honours, Brendan Joe Fraser. Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci, the, the, the little the, the pocket rocket... That is Joe Pesci, and we and we will get into it. But first, Isaac, uh huh. See any good movies lately? Yeah, I see a few. I'll say it slow in case there's new listeners. Okay. This is our classic segment. Have you seen any good movies lately? I have seen a couple actually. Oh yeah, watched uh, New Indiana Jones. Ah, the Dial. The Dial that... of Destiny. Terrible title. Terrible it, title. Right, that's exactly what I was about mm-hmm. to say. That sound. That is such a boring, lame yeah. name. Dial is not a fun word. Dial. Lost Ark. Temple yeah. of Doom. Raiders. Yes. The Last Crusade. I'll even say Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Was badass, and also not a bad film. Not as bad as people tend to say it is. Yeah. Uh, old mate, notwithstanding. Dial of Destiny. Sounds like a sex line. It does, it or do- or like a a, a, mm. a a line where you call a mystic. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, "I'm getting a father figure. <laughs> I had a father. How did you know?" <laughs> yeah, Dial of Destiny. Mm. It's like a past Have life. Have you seen thing. it? No, not yet. Okay, Might no be seeing it tomorrow. No I'm spoilers. nervous, but I'm a big Waller Bridge fan. So okay, cool, cool, cool. Know, that's going to be good. Oh, don't be nervous. Yeah. I, I think the main takeaway from Dial of Destiny, which I think we've said before, is that its existence should give us great confidence about getting a fourth Mummy movie. It should be able to give us that great confidence. I yeah. don't think we're going to get a fourth Mummy movie. I think it's still unlikely, but, you know, it can't. It's it weights the scales. It, it beneficially. Yeah. Yeah. Towards that being a part of <laughs> Brendan Fraser's destiny. Um, what have you watched lately? <sighs> Saw the Flash. Oh, I have not yet. You ain't you ain't seen the yeah. Flash. Every time I get like an evening where I can be like, I could go see the Flash. Mm-hmm. I convince myself that I don't really want to do that. Look, and I spend was, money on it. I mean, as we 
we we discussed this. I did take the time in my own personal time at one point mm-hmm. to, to just look into the Ezra Miller stuff. <laughs> Because I'd heard, you know, you hear things, yeah, and yeah. I'm like, what are the details here? What are the facts? What do we know? And when you just read through the rap sheet uh-huh. of stuff, all of which, lots of which I think just like hasn't gotten to court yet. So they're like, probably gonna go to jail at some <laughs> point for some of this stuff. And it's, it just and it's quite, worse. and it's, I mean, far be it for me. Don't want to do be, do armchair diagnoses, but it's not. It doesn't read as a sort of malicious, predatory monster. It reads as someone with just completely unmanaged mental illness that is objectively harming many people around them, and that is a very big problem. Yeah, but yeah, it's like, this isn't like a Harvey Weinstein situation. No, this I don't is think someone a, who like a... needs help. And and it's just amazing that they've evaded the law for so long. So given all of that, I was like, I'm not sure I want to watch The Flash. And then what tipped the scales for me mm. was everyone kept saying it was quite good, and then it bombed. Oh, see, I didn't know that it had bombed so f- It's had yeah. the biggest second weekend drop-off in DC history. In apart, DC history. Apart from Morbius. <laughs> yeah. That's really sad. And for some reason, once I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, so I'm not like supporting a successful thing. It's a failure regardless. So it doesn't matter if I sneak a ticket in there. Respect. And um, I'll say it's annoyingly good. That's okay. I will, like, I want, I will. It's quite good. It's that, see, that's sad. <laughs> yeah. If you can put out of your mind. Also, one other thing all I of the crimes. do not like about The Flash is the way they make him run. Yeah, it's bad it's running. so lame. It is bad running. It sucks when the Eternals has a better Flash running sequence mm-hmm. than a Flash movie, a movie yeah, about true. a dude who runs fast. You know, I saw a clip that someone posted making the point that this is one of the best depictions of super speed in film, and it's one of the baddies just in Man of Steel, mm. where she's just like zooming around that big grey field where most of the flash takes place. In a big grey field. Well, that exact same grey field because they go back in time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert, I guess. But it's a small It's in the trailer. Um, and, yeah, you, you, you're not going along with her at that speed. You just see her zip around and punch someone and mm. zip and punch someone else. And so it looks kind of scary and cool. Yeah. And, um, yeah, well, I'll wait, I'll wait till you've seen The Flash, but okay. annoyingly good is how I would describe that's, it. That's quite sad. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I mean, it shouldn't exist. They should have stopped. They should have just eaten the cost and be like, oh. we shouldn't put this guy in well, a f- this only now, person in the film. After 12 months of just being guzzled flash nonsense from DC in terms of advertising, yeah, I saw one post the other day saying, hey, Aquaman 2's coming. <laughs> Give it a chance. <laughs> Give it a go, y'all. It's so weird it's how we not. live in this limbo of <laughs> we're about to do new and supposedly good DC, and we've still got to do Aquaman 2, <laughs> and then the last word on this universe is Blue Beetle. I know. No, I thought that was the the first word on the new one. Nah, oh. that's old. Oh, jeez. Because I saw the flash, and I'm like, you know what? It's got a terrible person involved. <laughs> but this is a big multiverse thing. 
Yeah. It's really, the plot is, because it's all time travel, is really integrated with the Man of Steel plot. Okay. So I'm like, this is a good final chapter. Completely fitting that it is built around a monster in real life <laughs> to just like put this whole thing in the bin. But plot wise, it just felt like this feels like it could be a finale for something. Yeah. But and then, then no, we get two feature length after credit sequences. Then we're doing Aquaman 2 and Blue Beetle. <laughs> and then James Gunn gets to do his thing. Which I like that he's starting with a Superman movie. Yeah, did you see that casting? I did. Yeah. I'm happy about the casting. Fine. You know. Hope- Have you watched Mrs. Maisel? No. I know her from uh, Rachel Brosnahan from House of Cards. As well oh, as cool, cool, cool. Speaking of monstrous main character actors. But, um, the, mar- the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is great. Yeah. It's great. We, haven't, we haven't even finished it. There's only I, five I, seasons. Like, they're both... It's amazing. Tech, it's, it's just it's kind of textbook casting for both those roles. A little, and so it's just a mm-hmm. little uninteresting. But my my hope is James Gunn is like, let's just lock this down, and not make this challenging for everyone, and yeah. then we'll do some cooler stuff in other places. <laughs> if we don't fuck with Superman and Lois and just give people what what, what they, they want, want straight down the Superman line, then we have they'll give us more wiggle room in other things. That's what I'm hoping. No, that should be coming up soon. Okay. You know what name is fucking always wrong. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. Old Nicholas, Holt. He's Nicholas, Nicholas he's Holt. <laughs> he can't be bald though. People were wanting him for Superman. I'm like, no, no, way too British. And kind, and he's a baddie. Like he plays baddies very well. He plays. He's not a hero. Yeah, he's not the um, the. He's not an all American hero. Yeah, exactly. He's not even a partly American hero. <laughs> And then in my spare time, we're, we're continuing our old movies mm-hmm. binge. I'm just like, it's just comforting to go back and just enjoy something from the past. And I'm enjoying another series of movies that I've never actually formally watched, which was bloody Lethal Weapon. Oh, dude. Yeah, halfway through Lethal, Lethal you Weapon. You ain't so seen Lethal Weapon. I ain't seen Lethal Weapon. I like know it. You know, yeah. I know what the deal is. The first one's a Christmas movie, just like Die Hard. Well, yeah, it's a Shane Black joint. Mm. It is a and man, Mel Gibson is so suicidal in that, in <laughs> Lethal Weapon One. We were watching Lethal Weapon One. I'm like, this does not feel like a setup for a franchise because this man is on the <laughs> brink of death, moment by moment. Like he doesn't feel like he should live any longer. But they are great together, and then they are. You great get, and then you get Joe Pesci added in as the third. And I think how much you enjoy those movies is really dependent on how much you like Joe Pesci. And how much you enjoy him yelling. Which links quite well into today's film, where I think how much how much you get out of With Honours is very much dependent on how much you like Joe Pesci. I, I give that. But Therefore, also the, Emma loved it. The Joe Pesci of this film was very, very subtle, understated Joe, Joe Pesci. I guess so, yeah, like, compared to Lethal Weapon days. Well, compared to, like, Goodfellas. Where Joe yeah. Pesci is Joe Pesci yelling like Lethal Weapon yelling. Yeah, this was this is, this is, this is less, proper acting. This is less yelling. Joe yeah, Pesci. this is him in in his roles Robin Williams turned down era. <laughs> yes, it is. Right, I can see. Like can Goodwill see Hunting came out like the same year as this. I'm pretty sure <laughs> it's like that. Robin Williams with a you know those Robin Williams with a beard movies. Mm. Some of the best Robin Williams movies. Some of the movies. best Robin Williams movies are Robin's and Robin Williams with the beard. <laughs> One of my favourite subgenres. <laughs> and this is very much Robin Williams with a beard movie. 
Did I have anything else? Have you seen anything else? I'm sure I've watched other things. I can never think of them at the at the time. Oh, do you want to see Oppenheimer and Barbie on the same day? I'm I desperately want to see them on the same day. I'm just trying to decide which one. Which to see one first? first? Yeah, because like Oppenheimer will be amazing. Yeah, and I don't really want to watch Barbie after something like that. Well, there's a great post someone put up, like you know, you know making a joke of this is their plan for the day, and it's <laughs> like, get up, black coffee, cigarette. Oppenheimer, <laughs> come out, lunch, few drinks, Barbie, club. <laughs> yeah, I can see how that could work. I think I'd rather end the day with Barbie. But yeah, I wanted. I I think we should do that. Barbie just looks really good. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I do. People have pointed out how Ryan Gosling, mm. his casting makes sense in a lot of ways. He's very funny and he looks like a Ken doll. Mm-hmm. But something about the way they do his makeup in the movie, he looks he looks like older than he looks in real life. He does actually look older in the trailer. And I'm so not- he actually looks creepy to me as a can. <laughs> and I don't know if that's intentional my- or not. But I'm like, you like you need to young people running around with their Ken dolls, but he- this Ken doll is like great. Yeah, they he doesn't look like it in normal <laughs> this is life. My salt and pepper can. In this movie, he looks like someone who's secretly 55 and has had a lot of plastic surgery. It's oh my god, it's the Silver Fox can. And he's I, a tenured uh, professor <laughs> and has three kids who've just graduated from college. <laughs> but they've moved out. But he keeps telling people he's 38. <laughs> he's he spending a- copious amounts of money. To look and feel like he's 18 again. Yeah, they've done like Botox makeup on him. <laughs> he you, has a TikTok account. Have you seen that? Like there's things I saw on TikTok of some rich guy who's spending millions to try and de-age himself. Oh, God, no. He looks horrifying. Yeah. But really like not, not horrifying like um, people who take plastic surgery too far. It mm-hmm. just looks like you have the face of a dude who's supposed to have aged a little bit. Like like when a shop mannequin comes to life and is the baddie in Doctor Who or something? Yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people who do that and they're like, you know what, I don't want to get loads of plastic surgery. Do not do you not just Google it? <laughs> do you not just Google image plastic surgery to look younger, question mark, and just like get the overall perspective like, oh, most of these look shit. But they probably think they look good. Mo- I guess so. They they're must just see something them. different. Yeah, that's great. Because there are people who've like plastic surgery themselves to guess, look like Barbie and Ken. I guess there's some. I guess you have a sort of representation bias, don't you? Because the people who look good, they don't stand out in your memory. I feel like someone like Dolly Parton. Mm. She looks amazing. She does. She must have had a bunch of work done, and it worked. Well, most of most of the work she had done is a little little south of the face, though. I wouldn't say that's most of the work. I'd say I mean, there's a lot of work down south, south of the face. <laughs> It's her upcoming album. <laughs> Good movie title. What did we watch today? We watched With Honours. Oh, yeah. A 1994 comedy drama film. Dramedy. A dramedy directed by Alex Kashishian, an Armenian-born American film and commercial director. Oh, what Didn't commercials do- has he done? Uh, I don't know. One for Harvard. He's very About a two-hour-long one for Harvard. We just watched it. Yeah, true. To yeah, going to Harvard looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, he 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 made Truth or Dare, which was a documentary about Madonna, basically. Mm. 
probably how we ended up getting Madonna to do a song for this movie, actually. Could be, could be. We're piecing, we're piecing it together now, because that seems very unusual. <laughs> uh, and it was the biggest... Gro- it came out in... 94. Uh, this documentary came out before 1994. Come on, Sam. Look it up. That came out in 1991, and it was the highest grossing documentary of all time until, like, 2002. People when, loved when? this Madonna documentary. And then he did, a, a, like, a couple of movies. He's done, like... This is like his only feature movie oh, that he's done. Because this isn't bad. Yeah, overall, it's mm. not It's not bad. No. It's not bad. It's kind of textbook. Yeah, and I think that's why it got a very moderate reception oh. at the time of release. People are like, yep, yeah, fine, but kind of rote and doesn't really do anything that interesting. Yep. And I think that's kind of where I land with it as well. Okay. It's a story where Brendan Fraser was going to Harvard, lest we fucking forget. We'll get into it. <laughs> and he and his three housemates are going to Harvard, and he's very focused on this thesis, but instead Joe Pesci, a little homeless fella, it sort of teaches him the meaning of life, and they all learn something. Yep. And, um, you know, by the end of it, in a way, the phrase with honors has a whole different meaning in a way, doesn't it? In a way. And that's the, <laughs> yes, that's, the and that's the story. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah i think it, whether you enjoy this depends how much you like or everything joe pesci is doing and i guess how much you like brendan fraser so we should be on board because this, this is another brendan fraser movie it is he, it is, is, he, is, he is just the main character a leading man at he this just point has that vibe he does like? unlike some of his co-stars patrick dempsey you see, I've never seen Patrick Dempsey as a leading man. He's not, is he? In a Patrick weird Dempsey way. Patrick Dempsey is a character actor. And he does so well in this film. Yeah. Do you know he's a big race car driver? Patrick Dempsey? Yeah. Like he drives big race cars or he drives a lot of race cars? Um, I, I, I don't know how big you, the cars are. When you said big race car driver, yeah, no, I pictured a fucking, race car that's really, really big. Yeah, they're massive cars. He has to <laughs> get into just... a mech suit to drive the car. <laughs> it's fucked. Yeah. I would love to watch. It's that. they're called they're called super monster trucks. This is big race cars. <laughs> Patrick Dempsey drives super monster trucks at a thousand miles an hour because he's just that kind of fucking guy. He is that kind of fucking guy. No, he's a big time race car driver and has said i would like to just quit acting and just race and he's what i mean look at this racing record i'm tilting the screen for isaac to see patrick dempsey's i'm leaning in racing record it is extensive jesus and you wonder why you haven't seen patrick dempsey in much for a while because he's never off the track he's mate. on the fucking le mans yeah that's awesome he's like legitimately this is what i would rather do than that's, acting. that's like that's real cool so good for him i say <laughs> It's like Frankie Muniz is now a NASCAR driver yeah. <laughs> and has been for like 20 years, but apparently nobody knew. Yeah. People are like, where's Frankie Muniz? Don't worry about it. He's having a great time. He's driving big race cars. He's driving massive race he's cars. he's a small man. Yeah. Yeah. He and the other brothers from Malcolm in the Middle all race together in different size cars. <laughs> the little one has a little go-kart. Um, yeah. Patrick Dempsey in this film is great. Yeah. As he's, the, got a, he's got a look. He's, he's the artsy one. Yeah, he ho- he hosts a radio show, a college radio show in like a clock tower. 
He's like in front of a big transparent yeah, clock face. It's the Harvard Clock Tower. The Harvard Clock Tower. Everyone knows about the Harvard Clock Tower radio sta- radio station. Yeah, so we're very much back in sort of school ties territory here. I know that's school, but mm. when it opened, is... the opening shot which showed the block of places where they go to school at Harvard. I'm like, mm-hmm. first thing I thought was that's the same fucking school they it, filmed at. You know, as a viewer, ties, like, it feels like this just the same school. Although I have to, I've, I have to say, it's I feel like back. no. It's, it's Brendan. There's four of them: Brendan Fraser, Patrick Dempsey, um, Jeff, Jeff, <laughs> played by Josh Hamilton. Who even cares? I'm sorry, Josh. I'm just hating your your character was intentionally horrible, so I don't like you. Um, and Moira Kelly, who I thought was fantastic. She was fantastic. I could not get over how much she looks like Lizzie Kaplan. Yes. The whole time. Mm-hmm. I, you, I can see it. I can like see to it. an unnerving degree. I was like, Sam, it's not Lizzie Kaplan. She's like, <laughs> if it were made now, she's it like would 80 be. years old at this point, <laughs> if that. Yeah. Maura Kelly, obviously well, very well known from being the voice of Nala in The Lion King. Definitely didn't know. Adult that. Nala. <laughs> yeah. She seems to have Adult kind of, Nala. Adult, yeah. Not even a, like fun Nala. I think Adult Nala's fun. What's wrong with that? She's no. out there. Well, she didn't get to do voice acting with Jonathan She's... Taylor Thomas then. Well, I mean, he, he was young Simba. Oh, okay. Just trivia. No, yeah, no. She's the she plays the Nala that they they try to make look sexy. You know, when they try to <laughs> when they try to draw a sexy lion yeah, in she, the Lion she King. She's the Nala who's and a you, top. And you watch it, and you're like, that is. I don't know. <laughs> it's um. How do they well, manage to draw boobs on this lion? That's doing it for me. Someone was pointing out, I think it's like Finding Nemo's dad. Yeah. They managed to make him look balding or something. Like the <laughs> yeah, because the, the way the stripe sort of goes back a little yeah. bit in the back of the head. They make, they make a fish look like he's balding. Genius. How do they do it? No one knows. Deep magic. No one. Knows. That's those dark arts, baby. Um, yeah, I thought she was... She, had, she was in a bunch of stuff, but she seems to have kind of retired a little bit from acting like her last credit was 2007 mm. well, that's not that's not true she's in tv films and stuff they don't count that's not acting oh she was in the on a hallmark t- christmas <gasps> a southern family christmas oh, in 2022 that's the best title yes i think we've got our christmas, christmas movie lined up for this year <laughs> well we've just watched our christmas movie this was True. It. I wanted this to be a more Christmassy movie than it is because it's snowing for most of it. Yeah, when it when it leaves the Christmas time, I got I got quite sad. I was immediately less interested and invested. Yeah. And then it brings you back in. With Should have whole... climaxed with Christmas dinner. I mean, I respect it. Who hasn't? It didn't. <laughs> it's hard not to sometimes. It depends who's there, I guess. Um... <laughs> and yeah, apparently where they were filming. It was winter, so there was a bunch of snow around, but they decided that snow didn't look enough like movie snow, so they cleared it out and put fake snow down. <laughs> that's, that's that's Hollywood, baby. That's going to happen so many times. That's Hollywood in Massachusetts. Wait, were they filming in Massachusetts? Uh, yeah, they filmed in... On location. They filmed in Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, and Massachusetts. Oh my God. Including some things at Harvard University, Cambridge, and Cambridge, Massachusetts. Because if you don't, just in case you haven't picked it up, this movie happens at Harvard. <laughs> and Brendan Fraser's character, Monty, 
is referred to by the other lead as the word Harvard yeah. for the entire movie. Joe Joe Pesci calls him Harvard and he just does it a bit too much mm-hmm. for me. Like every Once they're line, actual friends, once they become real friends, yeah. he still refers to him as Harvard. Like your name is Isaac. Uh-huh. I can't remember the last time I said that. <laughs> Apart from when I start the show. No, you say it at the start of the show. I say it at the start of the show. Saying that then we don't, felt we weird. We don't say it often to each other. No. No. Um, but maybe if I'd come up with a fun nickname for you like Harvard, I'd be more motivated to say it more often. Be like, remember how I kind of give it's you shit? It's because you'd be trying to make it a thing. Yeah. And no one else You're is trying picking to get up it to on catch it. On. But subtly, that's what it is. Danger. Yeah. Start calling me danger if you want. But it was fun. No. Damn it. But, but it was... <laughs> I'm glad someone was giving him shit about Harvard because, yeah, Brendan Fraser's character, Monty, or his name is Montgomery Kessler. Ugh, what a name. What a goddamn name. If I've heard of anybody who graduated from Harvard. That was their name? Montgomery Kessler. Yeah, you get given that name and you leave. Montgomery. So if, if you come through and your name isn't Harvardy enough, they give you a better one when you leave. <laughs> That's comes with the package. Uh, yeah, he wears, he's got a Harvard shirt or jumper on in every scene. Uh-huh. Or I, a scarf. I started making a list. There's Harvard scarves. There's Harvard hats. He's got a Harvard pen holder. Yep. In the background, there's a Harvard calendar. He has a Harvard <laughs> on the fleece wall. on the wall. He Harvard has banner. Harvard blanket. Harvard flags. Harvard blanket. I feel like the costume designer or set designers were given just one note, which was make it Harvard. <laughs> The thing is Harvard. <laughs> well, I think maybe like for character choice though, it's because they're living off campus. They've got to they've got to give themselves the college experience in a cool house. It's a very cool house. You've got these four students living in this cool house. It it, it looked like the Fight Club house to me. It really did. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's that sort of big, dilapidated but cool, yeah, kind of energy to it, and also because it's kind of cold and grimy. Yeah. Living in a big dilapidated house is cool, isn't it? Not too dilapidated. I mean, you don't want, to, you don't want black mold, but the just house enough. I currently live in is quite dilapidated. There are cracks in the walls. Yeah, true. Actually, you do have it's... a sort of Stranger Things going on. We do through we your do. through your house, and it's fine. But it's not. I think it's not cool dilapidated because well, there are no stains anywhere, and I don't want black uh-huh. mold stains. But I'd like like. Like, like some old carpet in certain parts of the house. I think the point of a, the fun of living in a big dilapidated house is it needs to be a kind of fancy house. Yes. That has gone to seed Not just time. a house built in the early Not 90s. just a random shitty Queensland house. Yeah. Not to have a go <laughs> at where you live. You are moving soon. We are, we are, we are. We're excited about so it. So it's sort of like, yeah, I live in this big house, but I'm not like... It, you know, it's not how I spend my time, mm, you know. Mm. I'm too busy this being... This is just where I sleep, man. Yeah, I'm too busy writing my goddamn thesis, which is all Montgomery Kessler cares it's his, about. It's his, quote, life. Yeah, so mo- movie opens. His life. We're introduced to characters. Patrick Dempsey's on the radio. He's having a good time wearing little John Lennon glasses. Did you notice, sorry to interrupt, in the That's opening right. scene... That's a whole thing. ...where he's running, and he's better at running than all the other guys... And he oh, yeah, Brendan. Brendan Fraser's running. Montgomery Kessler. Bumps into a homeless man. Joe Pesci right there. Straight away. Oh, okay. Like, like 10 seconds into the film, they bump into each oh, other. Oh, and that's where the Christmas magic begins. That is. Yeah, there should have been a like a little Christmas bells <laughs> in the background. Um, but at, yeah. that, at that point, he's dressed as Santa Claus, but then he takes his mask off to reveal Joe Pesci underneath. Oh. So big letdown to this movie, and just spoiler alert, Joe Pesci's 
not Santa Claus. Homeless Walt Whitman-esque character is never revealed to be Santa Claus at any time. It's actually much more grim and realistic than that. <laughs> There's a lot less <laughs> which Christmas I, magic, which more I Christmas depression. Yeah, like where it should end in a sort of like heartwarming Christmas, it's actually just ends with a tragic, lonely death from chronic disease. <laughs> um <laughs> Which I I like. I'm okay. You know, I like how it's a creative choice. I like how grim it got and unrewarding <laughs> a lot of the stuff was at the end. And so the idea is, I guess, the Montgomery Kessler is he's just focused on his thesis. He doesn't really care about anything else or anyone else. I guess. Yeah, I think he ca- he cares, but he's forcing himself not to care about love yeah. or friendships. And he's sort of fitting himself into the Harvard system because he loves Harvard. And so he gives a sample of what his thesis is like at the start of the movie. And it's basically sort of describing what sounds like a weirdly sort of conservative and kind of anti-democratic perspective. Because I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't write all of the dangs I was eating, but he says... It's it was sort of a how sort of a pessimistic we need to, view. We need to move beyond the will of the people and stuff like that. And the professor... Who's fucking Gore Vidal? Is <laughs> like, yeah, it's really excellent. It's coming along very well. Marvelous. Well done. Fucking Gore Vidal is just acting in this film. <laughs> Famed author, critic. He's been in other and stuff. And non-actor. A couple of things. Hardly in, hardly anything. Like, actor is not in, like, on his Wikipedia page, actor is not in the list of jobs he's described <laughs> as. And they just fucking got Gore Vidal in to do this. Well, it is a movie set at Harvard. Oh, is it? Mm. Yeah, and I guess he's a kind of... Did he go to Harvard? I don't know. Did he teach at Harvard? No, I don't think he was a, he was a teacher. He's a sort of essayist. He's a public intellectual, yeah. you know? Yeah, I just... That's not a thing. No, yeah. In you know, and now coming to cinemas, the new Robin Williams with a beard movie... Featuring Gore Vidal. <laughs> it's, like, it's like if like Christopher Hitchens was just in a movie. <laughs> or like, I mean, it's tragic to say, but our current example would be Jordan Peterson. Yeah. Just in a movie. <laughs> that would be Playing weird. himself, I guess. Imagine and doing a weirdly good job. Like he Imagine does great. if he wasn't playing himself. Imagine <laughs> if they wrote a character. And he went full method. And he was just acting. <laughs> Jordan Peterson as... Blade. <laughs> Blade's adoptive brother, Hilt. <laughs> oh, no. The vampires. Look to the person to your left. One of you will be a vampire. I don't know. It was, it was a thing. I'm just doing Kermit. <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, anyway, Gore Vidal's in this. I'm never going to get over that. He does the pitch of his thesis, and yeah, it's a and pessimistic like, take. You're doing on great. What government is, and the the and Gore is like, yeah. fuck yeah, mate, I'm on board. Hell that's, yeah, that's fuck everything yeah. I've been preaching to Shit, you in fuck class. Yes, I'm Gore Vidal. You've learnt from class. <laughs> fuck yeah, fuck yeah, Harvard. <laughs> if bruh. the rest of what you're writing sounds anything like the ten words you spoke of me. <laughs> I'm fucking oh, on there, mate. Sick. Sick. <laughs> Leans over, high fives him. And then And then they do that thing where they where the they door. wiggle their fingers together oh, like an yeah. Encino man. He's like, get out of here, you bloody scamp. And Mon- Monty's like, sick, brah, cheers. And he leaves. Chow down on some grinding. Yeah. <laughs> the cafeteria. I have to say, 
Joe Pesci's kooky, you know, like heart, heart, heart of gold eccentric homeless mm. man that he plays yeah. had a lot of um, what could have been Paulie Shaw. A lot of Paulie Shaw energy. <laughs> it's just that structure of the boy, oh boy, odd, oddball character coming into non-oddball yeah. situation. It would be very cool to see this exact movie. But Paulie Shaw. Remake now with Paulie Shaw. We're looking for new Paulie Shaw vehicles to get it going again. Oh, that you sent me that the, that TikTok um, of someone pitching the, father-in-law. the son-in-law sequel, Father-in-Law. <laughs> Excellent idea. Yeah, I'd watch it. Paulie, and Paulie Shaw would do it in a heartbeat. Like I if you could get so. that off the ground, get Carla Gugino back. But would she do it? Maybe not. She's actually having quite a good. But that'd be annoying if I should. I'm like, come on, Carla. You've done fine. You've done. Help, a, help us, Carla. help. Look at poor Paulie. He needs this. Okay, you he's a sad the, man. In the same platform. Yeah, you've done well. What I would, oh, Carla, look at it this way. Even if this is bad, you'll be fine. <laughs> like you can withstand being in a bad Paulie Shaw movie. You know what I mean? If Paulie Shaw's never in another Paulie Shaw movie again, he's never going to know joy. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's not true. He has a very large and devoted fan base that he sees very frequently. And the, so the inciting event of this movie is that uh, Montgomery right. Kessler is using an old-timey computer. <laughs> and then due to like computer madness, mm. his dissertation is lost. Mm. Like, because it's olden times. Yeah, and he didn't save it. He'd he only didn't back it. He didn't. Pages he hadn't put it in the cloud. Yeah, why would you not? Which is a dumb oversight on his part. And so Terrible. he has like 10 chapters that are printed out, and he's like, I'm going to go and photocopy these chapters. Yeah, I need to do this right now. As like he's an extra backup. Xerox them. So he's kind of get it. Copies of it. Yeah. This is the middle of the fucking night. He's like, I'm going, I'm doing it now. I guess it goes like the library or something. On the way there, uh, he trips and he drops the printed chapters down a grate mm-hmm. underneath a building, underneath some Harvard, under the library building. Mm-hmm. And then blah, blah, blah. He sneaks down. He's trying to find it. So he sneaks down into the oh, basement. The tripping, sorry. Yeah. Basically broke his leg. Oh, yeah. He breaks his ankle on the whilst tripping off a bike rack. And he sneaks into the basement of the building. And who does he find but the guy from Goodfellas? It's Who's down on Joe his luck. Pesci in hiding after he left the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the guy from Home Alone who never recovered <laughs> from all of the physical injuries he sustained. <laughs> I saw a thing about that that was like, you know, Macaulay of- Culkin could have called the police at any moment and <laughs> solved the whole problem. But yep. he didn't. He wanted to hurt those men. Yeah. He enjoyed it. He did. That's why he did it twice. <laughs> he did it two times. <laughs> What's that kid's life like now? <laughs> Joe Pesci. Imagine lives. if you were the Home Alone kid, though, and you grew up. You're not Macaulay Culkin, though. No, no. one knows you did that. Yes, yeah, because in, in the movies, no one finds out either time. And you didn't film it on your phone. You oh. can never prove it. Yeah, you've just tortured two criminals because yeah. they broke into and your And you house. just got away with it. And you're fine. He becomes that fucking criminal. Yeah. like you, that's, that's Home Alone 4. You will be driven to kill again <laughs> if you are the Home Alone kid. <laughs> You're having because dreams you will of be the che- good feelings you had. You will the be- good Christmas feelings you had when you nearly killed 
two full grown men. You're twice. gonna be you're gonna be chasing the rush of braining <laughs> someone in the head with a can of beans the rest of your life. It's only gonna get worse. Every Christmas you're gonna be triggered <laughs> to just start setting up booby traps. It's like a saw franchise. Yeah. Where the detectives are trying to find this person who keeps setting up booby traps around the city. Yeah. And just maiming people. You know what? That's not the worst origin story for a serial killer. No. That as a child you were home invaded and you fought them off. I think also Macaulay Culkin <laughs> would be keen on that shit. Now that's the sequel we He'd need. be keen on that shit. Yeah. Get um get James Wan in. <laughs> Who's the other one from the first saw? The The one who acts in it as well. Oh, I don't know his name. It he's, looks like he, a Casey. He's the one who like, he's like runs Blumhouse, doesn't he? No, that's... Must find this out. Um, Lee Winnell. Uh-huh. Anyway, we go down to the basement. Joe Pesci is there. He's Living a, in a boiler room. He's got a sick setup in this boiler it's room. Fucking cool. Brendan fucking ruins it. In for his him. little hobbit hole, he he's has a, books. Yes, in a hole in a hole in the ground. There lived a Joe Pesci. Yeah, and he's <laughs> burning pages of the thesis because he thinks it's shit. He doesn't care about anything, and so he immediately starts to extort Montgomery Kessler. Uh-huh. But he, I also thought Brendan's more sorry Monty's communication in this point was fucking stupid why would you not go hey mate sorry that's my thesis i just Mm -hmm. dropped that down i really need that to graduate college yeah may i please have my thesis back yeah oh yeah sure mate here you go he's very confrontational from the get-go and joe pesci is kind of he's sort of more out of his mind at the beginning here than he is later in the in the film because he reads too much yeah. He's been he's been living in this library, addicted to books. Too much. Addicted <laughs> to books. He's got a tragic literature addiction. <laughs> <laughs> and he's and he's saying all this stuff like everything you get me, I'll give you one page of it back, mm. basically. So really, you know, you're not warming to him initially at this point. No. Cuz he's being quite difficult about it. Yeah. He uh, you know, Montgomery doesn't explain it well, but it still does get across that that's my thesis. Please give it back, please. Yeah. And Joe Pesci's like, no, I yeah. don't care about you. Get me a glazed donut. Get me a glazed donut. Make sure the glazing isn't broken. Yeah. Which is quite hard, considering like Krispy yeah. Kreme donuts are quite often fucked up. Yeah. Delicious. But I mean, it's possible, but you just got to be careful about your selection. Mm. And it's also the middle of the night. Where Well, 7-Elevens though. That's where you get Krispy Kremes. Maybe not True. in the 90s. Nowadays, it would be very easy to find a glazed donut in the middle of the night. Why are 7-Elevens called 7-Eleven? Because they're open seven hours a day, 11 days a week. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that because you saw where I was going and you transcended it immediately. So that's good. <laughs> we don't have to go further into that. Leave that with the audience. Montgomery calls security, gets him kicked out of the place. So they oh, yeah. find so him. So he goes they, home first. Though, they didn't even know he was there. And discusses it with his friends. And they're like, yeah. this is a human. And One of, like, the... Uh... And he's like, I know he's a human being. I smelled him. Oh, he's all mean and yeah. unsympathetic mm. to this man's situation. Just like the start of a film. Yeah. And... All, and I guess one of my main problems with this, I think it's a good film overall, but one of my main issues with it, I think, is, and one thing that stopped me engaging with it as deeply as I might have done, is Montgomery Kessler. I just don't think we set up his character enough at the start. And I don't feel like he had to really change much 
to go through the plot of the movie. Like, I mean, spoiler alert, they end up like, he ends up being friends with Joe yeah. Pesci and he learns about life from him and they become, they have a genuine relationship, which is very well drawn. It's just that I don't feel that Brendan Fraser's character had to change much for that to happen. No, it, it, came, seems it comes like, across like he doesn't really mind hanging out with him yeah. from the get-go, even though like, yeah, it is a chore, I'm doing this for these things it doesn't look like he's uncomfortable at any point in time yeah at the beginning he is he is someone who's very academically focused and not that sympathetic to just someone who is homeless mm-hmm. but it doesn't take much for him to just have his you know humanity awoken and like he starts doing nice nice things for him like he seems like he has a very sort of middle of the road attitude to if yeah. he's in a situation where he can help someone then he will help them and yeah. also, like I he's think, not Jeff. He doesn't start the film like Jeff no. and end the film as like Brendan Fraser. Jeff Winger, as in no Jeff oh. in this movie. Jeff, Jeff in this movie. Jeff, he goes through a much bigger arc he than does. Brendan Fraser from being an absolute waster space <laughs> and but worst member of the household by far. And everyone knows it. Like and everyone's the like, household are very vocal about yeah. Jeff being the worst member. <laughs> Jeff of is the like, house. if that happens, I'll leave. And everyone's like, good, yes, go, <laughs> fuck you, Jeff. Leave now. We That's did what we wanted for a while. We did not want you here. You are not a part of the group. You stand out. You are not fun. Go away. <laughs> you stand out. You are not one of us, they you say to Jeff. You do not conform. You do not conform. You are the least handsome. Sorry to say it, but the other two are Brendan Fraser and Patrick Dempsey. <laughs> I love that Jeff gets a line saying that they're jealous of that he's the most handsome. Yeah, that must be. And then it cuts in. immediately to a scene of Brendan Fraser <laughs> and Patrick Dempsey. Just weightlifting. <laughs> Just weightlifting on a beach somehow. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and also Joe Pesci's character, I, I like how much sad stuff happens in the back third of the movie. Mm-hmm. And how you, they, they, they do honestly depict some of the, the, the grimness of being unwell and homeless and he does become a quite sort of real three-dimensional character because for a lot of the movie he's sort of he's like he's a manic pixie dream homeless person (laughs) you know yeah 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 like he has a you know he has his kind of puckish energy he's like a harder to tea and i know and he's very learned and he's very wise but he is also homeless and those you know, that is the case for some people who are homeless. A lot of people who are homeless have arrived in that situation through lack of education and lack of <laughs> opportunities and lack of, you know, things that would allow them to be someone who keeps being mistaken for Walt Whitman. Yes. You know, <laughs> some people who are homeless do give off Walt Whitman energy, but, you know, probably most don't because that's an unusual path. Yeah, I guess is all I'm saying. So I, you know, I like that there's a lot of grim stuff towards the end. It just made it a little bit more grounded. But because he's so sort of all over the place, I was unsure to what degree he was really invested in. Actually, he doesn't. I didn't know what he wanted at any point. Yeah, no, it's. I was not like, made do clear. you want to change? Because right. at one point you're like, oh, is this like a Christmas movie thing where he's, you know, an elf in disguise and he's, you know, been sent by Jesus or something to change. Save the future. Yeah, like like, like Brendan Fraser is the Scrooge of this story and he's going to, by Christmas morning, he will have learnt to be nice to his fellow man. And I guess that's where the the, the start of the movie might, like, like lets it down a little bit 
and that the ending's great and all their characters at the end and their relationships at the end work fantastically. Yeah. But because there is a little muddying of the waters where Brendan Fraser is not uptight at the start, he's just a regular dude who then becomes a mm. nice regular dude at the end and Joe Pesci's not like really angry all the time to yeah. become softer towards the end. He's just Joe Pesci's there. He doesn't he's not like being super angry, jumping to heaps of conclusions all the time. Yeah. He's just existing. I just feel like there's a there's a missing extra step with both their characters in terms of how much they change to come together. So they're both just sort of two, you know, different people, but you see how they could be friends and Brendan Fraser is in a position to help him and he does. And we learn more about him and it's nice. And then they get to help him at the end of his life and it's a very meaningful experience for all of them. And then it's freeze frame credits. Yeah. And so <laughs> and so it's not bad, but um it doesn't it doesn't sort of it doesn't sort of drive the knife home as hard as it could on some of its sort of emotional. It ends points, on I such think. a good in such a good way. Like yeah. I think from Okay, so spoiler from... alert because in case it doesn't make any sense if people haven't seen it, Joe Pesci's character is sick, he has asbestosis, and so he gets more and more sick throughout the movie and he dies at the end. And they are at his funeral. This will just be just one of the most meaningful things you've ever done in your life. Go if to you, a homeless man's funeral. Well, to become friends with someone who's homeless, take them into your house, you become genuine friends, mm. you look after them as they get sick, and then they pass away. Damn. That's it. <laughs> That's like one of the most intense and meaningful things that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you graduate, like and with, then they graduate. with your college friends as well in your last <laughs> yeah. year of Harvard. Let's but you're we definitely going to stay friends with forever. Who you're going to be friends with forever. Like, yeah. I mean, talk about trauma bonding. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what the film does, maybe from like one third in on, is good. Mm-hmm. So if the start had a little bit more frustration for both on both sides, it could have worked made the whole thing great but i think from when he takes him to class and joe pesci does that speech about um how democracy how the constitution is great for certain reasons mm, to gore vidal that gore vidal apparently disagrees with but the whole class gets their nice little nice little slow clap college slow clap afterwards yeah from that speech onwards great film i think because yeah. that's the point where they start to become friends he has a he has a um a crisis where he sort of lies to Joe Pesci's character when it's a very cold night and he's been living in this van for a little while out yeah. the back. He wants to bring him into the house, but old bloody fucking Jeff, oh, fucking Jeff is like, no, if he comes in, I'm going to take my rent money away. So Brendan's in a tough situation. So he tells him, oh, he can't come in because the cellar's flooded. And, and then, that's how well, they break is, up. Yeah, it's good. Like, it's a very sort of, it's a manic pixie dream girl romantic comedy structure <laughs> yeah. where they get together. Initially, they don't like each other. And then they get together and it's great. And then they break up and then they come back together at the end. But now she's terminally ill. I guess that's the difference. Yeah. You know that one. Yeah. I guess love, like, love and other drugs. That, that happening, though, like with the breakup bit where he leaves a note and then says, like, takes off. Yeah, that feels like it's at the end of the movie. Like it was, it like it I didn't checked feel the long. time then when that happened. Mm, it was about like, halfway. This is. It feels like this is the ending. You're going to have this moment of of dread, and then he's going to go searching through various homeless shelters around the city to find him. Yeah, and he's going to meet him, and then he's going to die, 
and that's going to be the end of the film. Yeah. And it felt like that, but then we got an extra 45 minutes of extra stuff afterwards yeah. <laughs> of them actually becoming like good friends. Like best friends. Bonding. Finding Joe Pesci's family. Go oh, see his son. Just doing so much stuff. Yeah. And it's good. It's yeah. good stuff. So this early stuff, they sort of, they slowly start to come together. Brendan Fraser. Let's talk about him for a minute. Ah, oh, yeah. Doing great crutch acting in this movie. Because he's on crutches for the first, third, first half. Yeah. Which is an interesting choice. And he's doing lots of great physical comedy and just physical, lots of... He's making them very physical look like a chore. Well, they fucking are. I'll tell you that much. Such a chore. As someone who's lived with someone on crutches for the last few weeks, I can tell you, it <laughs> sucks. Living with someone on crutches? It's so much... Yes, yeah, so it, yeah. it's worse than being in crutches. It's... <laughs> Carers actually experience more distress than the person who's ill. I don't know if you know that. That is a thing, I'm just, but I'm being facetious. Um, <laughs> yeah, crutches are the worst. <laughs> it's so much worse than you think it's going to be. <laughs> Especially when you can't wait there at all. Yeah, that, that'd fucking suck. And he's doing great acting. They start to come together a little bit. He gives Joe Pesci the blanket. Joe Pesci carries his books. They go to the library. He lets him have a bath. He helps him go to the Department of Public Welfare, but he's sort of too eccentric to really follow through on that. He learns about the bag. He said Joe Pesci has a little bag of stones that are all memories. Yeah. Which, as, as we has, discussed, from a every stone reminds him of a certain part of his life, and I think that works up to maximum six stones. Yeah, you're, which you're, point they start to look similar. They have to be incredibly distinctive. Yeah, and that's you know, one of them has to be like a rose quartz or something, mm. or one of, like amethyst. You'd have to sit there for like eight hours the day you're making that memory. You just get your stone. This is and my memory stone, and then you just have to rub it, feel every every inch of that stone. <laughs> you know, yes, mm. like braille. Yeah, <laughs> it's like braille from the stone. Oh yes, yeah. that's this one. This one feels like sandpaper. Oh, that's exactly right. I fell down a sand dune. You're right, I was camping that one time. That's exactly like Braille. (laughs) Yeah, that's what Braille is. We learn a little bit about Montgomery's past, about his father, how his father left them, etc., etc. Then there's the lecture with Gore Vidal. When he goes into that lecture and Joe Pesci sits down next to him, at this point, it kind of felt like he was just his imaginary friend. (laughs) (laughs) Why is he at the lecture? No one else responded to him, but everyone else has the chair to themselves and they both sit on the same little Yeah, I I looked throughout the room. There were two other sections of the room where two people were sitting together. And I think they're supposed to be like couples. Yeah. Now it's just like he's got his 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 demon from Northern Lights is Joe Pesci following him around, and uh, yeah, Joe Pesci gives it to Gore Vidal in their debate about the Constitution, and he says that what makes the what the the people the men who created the Constitution they were great because they knew that they would make mistakes mm. and all that sort of stuff, and all this is fine and good. It's not what the movie's about though. It's not what the movie's about, but it's a really cool speech. Yeah. And obviously it's satisfying to see Gore Vidal get his ass handed to him. Yeah, physically. He gets beaten the shit out of him by Joe Pesci. I like that bit in the scene. By two-foot Joe Pesci. I like where Joe Pesci, like, defeated him with words and then put on a knuckle duster and just, like, hit his knees first and then just grabbed a copy of the Constitution and rolled it up and just (laughs) beat him unconscious. I saw that. I was like, "Damn, that's cinema." 
you know. That's, that's spectacle. That's worth that's a price of entry about. right there. <laughs> <laughs> then they break up. Yes. Then it's Christmas. Moira bring and and Montgomery Fraser is spending Christmas alone at the Fight Club house. Yeah, because he's got work to do. He's got work to do. He's working on his thesis. And he's and it's also implied he's somewhat distant from his mother as well. I think I get the vibe that. Yes. He's presumably not that passionate about going home. Moira brings in what I would call a UFO Christmas tree. Do you know what's going on there? I thought... Is she studying architecture? See, when she was building that building in the earlier scenes... She's doing little models. This could be little models. And then she builds him what I thought was just her... A building that she's designed. Yeah, I thought it was a school project. Then she gives it to him and then it's got Christmas lights on it, but it looks fucking weird. It's cool. It's very 90s. Is it? (laughs) Yeah, it's very 90s. That's something Phoebe would bring to to give Monica. It looks like someone something someone would make in Close Encounters of the Third Kind <laughs> when they're getting ready to Maybe go to Moira meet. Maybe Moira has had a sighting. Maybe <laughs> she's had an experience. Yeah, um, yeah, and she invites him over for Christmas, but he he has to work, and so there's tension between Montgomery and Moira the whole time. Sexual tension. Lots of sexual tension. Mm. Again, I don't know. It's just sort of like unintegrated with. The rest of the storyline, you know, it's like not a, it's his not, his it relation could be more. Like it works, it works. Oh, the you, love story works. You, I, it it works fine, and they have chemistry and they're great together. Yeah. But I, I want, I would want the presence of Joe Pesci, whose name is Simon B. Wilder in this movie, which I don't like for some reason. It's just such it a sounds weird, like an author name. Uh, yeah, a very but a sort of normal name. Yeah, like Simon Wilder. Like, oh yeah. You don't picture when so, you picture Simon B. Wilder. He needs like you a don't nickname. Picture a homeless man living in the basement of a, of a of a university library. Like if that's his name, they should all call him Wildo. You know, because he's a wild man. Yeah, because he's out there on them streets. Or just wild. Yeah, McWild. Be wild. Wild. Be wilder. They're, oh yeah. Simon. Subtle. Be wilder. Yeah. Because Walt Whitman, he liked nature, didn't he? I don't know. I never met him. No. Yeah, true. Me neither. So what do I know? <laughs> don't know anything for certain. Um, but yeah, I would want the presence of Simon Bewilder mm. to more directly teach Montgomery something that allows him to have the confidence to go and make out with Mora. You know? Well, he get, he gets a little speech later on. He's like, just fucking do it, mate. Yeah, it's a nice speech. Though. But it's just kind of, I don't know. Could be more. Could it's be more. Poetic, could, could be more. Without the... I like her. I like her character. I like her performance. And everyone has a good relation, has a good has good chemistry with Joe, Joe Pesci as well. Each of the yeah. four housemates have a different fun relationship with him. And they end up all getting on with him in their different ways. So I like that. Brendan's alone at Christmas at the Fight Club house. Really. Yeah. And they're all um, living together. He calls his mum, has what must be the shortest mum phone call in the history of the world. I'll call you on Christmas for Christmas. Hello. Mom. Yep, I'll talk to you again soon. Okay, bye. That's your mum? Yeah. Gun to my head. I could not get off the phone to my mum that fast. And she lives just up the road. I could hang up. Well, yeah, but that's cheating. It is cheating. To so get to the point of, okay, love And then you, you call back five minutes later, sorry, I, I dropped out of <laughs> signal. <laughs> I'm sorry, to get from hello to, okay, love you, bye, in under two minutes, I challenge anyone. <laughs> <laughs> we could try it now. I'm going to try it now, yeah. 
Oh, my my mom would be so put out. She was like, "Is there something wrong? What's why are you doing this?" <laughs> so then another guy, who I get the impression is homeless as well, he mm-hmm. brings the dissertation over at Simon Bewilder's request, and he comes in. He's like, "I have a message for you," and you'll never guess. It's a Walt Whitman quote, what are the chances? which is great. And he says, "You shall no longer take things at second or third hand." Not look through the eyes of the dead, nor feed on the spectres in books. You shall not look through my eyes either, nor take things from me. You shall listen to all sides and filter them from yourself. Wall women. Wall women. Song of myself. Man. Um, Beautiful quote. Love it. Mm -hmm. I feel like that should be setting Montgomery Cliffler, or whatever his name is, to go out and do a bit of like yes man stuff, you know, like, oh, you've been learning about the world in books. You need to get out there and see some real world stuff. But he doesn't really. He immediately goes and finds yeah, Bewilder, which and is nice. Brings him home. Yeah. Gives him a key. Says, you live here now. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I just, you know, I like that. I like that quote, but I feel, I feel like there's another, there's another movie lurking in the background of this movie, which is... Brendan is a character who's all books, and then he meets a guy who's, you know, in direct contact with life, partly as a result of his raw and difficult living situation, but also as a result of his personal philosophy of life. And it helps him to live in the moment, not just do everything in books, make out with the girl he likes, and write an even better dissertation than he ever imagined. And I think that clear, simple story gets kind of lost. Yeah. You know? I get you. I what get we you. get is still good, but uh, that's just what I. But that's probably just my brain constantly wanting movies to be more <laughs> formulaic, I guess. <laughs> but I just think that formula would have had a more would have had a, a more poignant feel, a more direct emotional impact than this, which feels kind of meandery. Yeah, no, I get you. I get you. He finds Bewilder in an alleyway, and he's not doing well. Nice. Fuck. His respiratory situation is getting worse. And this is when I started to buy into it a bit more because Joe Pesci, he, he's angry and he's vulnerable and he's not manic pixie mm. puck character anymore. He's having a shit time and he needs help and Brendan lets him help. And, he brings him home, um, gives him the upstairs room. And he's like, you live here now, is a key. Yeah. And Joe Pesci's like, I'm going to get my disability benefit so I can pay rent, sick. It's going to be awesome. We're going to bro out. We're gonna- he makes him Christmas dinner. By yeah. killing another roommate's chicken. Yeah, Patrick Dempsey had a rooster, which was a central part of his radio show. We didn't mention that. Because it allowed him to say that he has a huge cock, <laughs> which is a running joke that happens about four times. And that's radio. And that that is comedy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another thing that we didn't mention at the start. On Patrick Dempsey's radio show, he's talking about sightings of the ghost of Walt Whitman in the library at Harvard uh... at the start. And then we meet Joe Pesci's character, and throughout the film, people are asking him, "Hey, are you Walt Whitman's ghost?" Because that's who. <laughs> Which is an insane thing to ask citing. a person you're looking at. <laughs> are you the ghost of Walt Whitman? <laughs> you, this physical, clearly disadvantaged man standing in front of me. You're like, no, I'm just a man with a beard. <laughs> are you sure you do? quote Walt Whitman a lot. That's purely coincidental. I've I just, read a lot of books. I have a crippling literature addiction. 
that's what I wasted all my money on. That's how I ended up on the streets. I spent all my money on books and such, <laughs> on library memberships. <laughs> on late fees at the on library. On late fees at the library. They cleaned me out. <laughs> they finally, I've, I've been skipping from state to state. Riding, Avoiding the late riding on open railway cars, trying to avoid the library police. <laughs> they finally found me, that is and they took everything I had. Premise. I'm writing it down. Library police? Question mark. That's literally what I've written here. <laughs> Adam Sandler? Question mark. No, who's who's library police? Oh, I just really like the idea of like black black suits. Bill Hader. Bill Hader would make great library well oh, like library feds library feds yeah not even not, not like mall cop library no cop. library feds a federal agency <laughs> that's dedicated to like hunting down late late library fees or books themselves yeah bill hader david harbour library feds sunglasses they're like, dressed like men in black yeah 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 they're, they're literally the feds but their their department <laughs> you excited for gran turismo no <laughs> But also, kind of. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll say this. I am ready for Orlando Bloom to fucking come back. Oh, God, yeah. Because I'm sick of not having Orlando Bloom in movies. Have you seen Carnival Row? Uh, well, not really, but I, I know of it and fine. Yeah. But I saw the trailer of a Gran Turismo in the cinemas and I... Like, he comes on screen, and he looks kind of evil now. Yeah, he's like old older. And, like... and he's got a kind of pointy face. Mm. And I'm like, oh, he's a fucking movie star. He's like... And I'm sick of Orlando Bloom not being in movies. And I'm glad he's in this, but it's probably going to be quite bad, and no one will care about it. Yep. I want Orlando Bloom to have I a want a Vigo Mortensen 40s and 50s. No, I don't want to do weird, artsy Viggo Mortensen stuff. Well, no, Viggo Mortensen became Aragorn. I want Orlando Bloom I to guess. have that chance of being a rugged hero. Oh, yeah. And I, not an elf. I feel like, v- yeah. But what, Viggo was like mid, late 30s? And Orlando Bloom now is... Well, he's not that old, is he? Well, fuck. He's, okay, he's 46. <laughs> <laughs> that's not old, but in my mind... Because he was like 18 no, when he did when he got cast in Lord of the Rings, but that yeah. was a fucking long time ago. Because he now. was an elf. Yeah, I want a Bloomersons, please. Cool. And I'm very sad that it hasn't happened yet. Well, we might be seeing the start of it. He was one of the main characters in two of the biggest franchises of all time. Clap, clap, clap. Well done. It's time. Great. Then it was like Elizabeth Town, and then no one knows. <laughs> we need more Bloom. I can see it. So now at this point, everyone is happy, and there's just like good time. They, they are he living fixes their the van. sitcom life. They live in the sitcom life. Homeless man fixes the van. Jeff and Simon have a little scene, and Jeff has his little redemption arc, where they have French toast, and he's just sort of shown to be able to interact with Bewilder in a sort of human way. I yeah. guess. I think Simon like just it's nothing gets, crazy. It eventually gets everybody to come around. It's very easy with three other housemates. Jeff just takes a little longer. Yeah. Because and you Jeff's know, a virgin. Yeah, Jeff's a fucking nerd and loser <laughs> who wants to be a gynecologist. I'm sorry. <laughs> what kind of doctor are you going to be? I'm sorry. If you're someone who's not even in medical school yet and you're like, gynecologist. <laughs> 
I'm not saying you won't be a good gynecologist, but that's a bit of a red flag as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> if someone knew that you'd said that, they would probably not hire you. Yeah. Do you say that on dates? My dream <laughs> as a, a guy is to be a gynecologist. I already know without having done any of it that I'm not interested in any other form of medicine. <laughs> I'm not waiting to find out. I've already decided. And so, and so, scenes yeah, like really that, creepy. they, you know, I do think they have an impressive degree of sort of subtlety, really, in terms of, you know, which is why this is sort of more meandering. But anyway, and then big deal, because old mate has to submit his thesis by a certain date if he wants to graduate with honors, with honors, with honors, with honors. Mm. Name of the film and everything. Um, he continues to refuse to have sex with Mora. Um, to an almost pathological degree, no matter how many perfect situations arise in which she is definitely giving him the look. (laughs) He continues to be like, no, my thesis, which is annoying because I feel feel like we should be past the thesis at this point. This whole movie is about how theses don't matter. We get past it quickly, though. We get there eventually. Um, Simon... Simon Bewilders getting more and well. He writes his own obituary. We learn more about his life, how he had a wife and son that he left. That was good. That was good. That was knowing th- that Brendan, sorry, Monty's character, yeah, has had the same from the opposite perspective. I think to him, I think that was Brendan's best acting moment. Yes, when you see him, the anger, it's bringing, yeah, the anger. Yeah. It's bringing up everything he's felt about his. Yeah, dad and he's saying this is a guy that he likes and cares about but he realizes he's comforting well, someone who has done what his dad did which he presumably at least presents him greatly for the heartbreak moments later on they're very good too yeah yeah so there's a there's a pajama party blah 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 he quotes Whitman again and gets asked to dance or bewildered does as you do. and then finally he um Brendan walks out and kisses Maura by the fountain hurrah and she says, what are you doing? And he says, ending our friendship. And then they fucking bone. <laughs> yeah. That's how you end a friendship. Yeah. <laughs> it's the only way to end a friendship, actually. Sex. <laughs> yeah, or murder. <laughs> I prefer the first option. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Well, um, well, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Two options. You can fuck your friend or you can kill them. (laughs) No, it doesn't have to be about murder of the friend. Just a murder in general could end a friendship. (laughs) Well, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That opens up so many more doors. Yeah. You can fuck the friend or you can involve them in your murder of someone else. (laughs) And it may not end the friendship, but it will cast a shadow. (laughs) Over the ensuing years. It'll be hard to come back from this. Yeah. I mean, sex is kind of off the table after yeah. that point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was one of the good lines. Uh, he says to to Jeff, old a person everyone hates, he goes, you know why you hate me so much, Jeffrey? Because I look the way you feel. Oh, that is a good line. That's some good, good damn lines in this. Yeah. Um, and look, it's not my kind of humor, but I get why and how it's funny. Mm. I don't think em- it's Emma also, was laughing. I don't think it's like overly hilarious. It's just well, it's it, it's not because it's a dramedy. It's yeah. not a comedy drama. No, but like it doesn't have like gags and bits. Mm. It's just Joe Pesci being w- kooky and fun. Yeah, 
And if you find that funny, you find it funny. Joe Pesci being an older version, an older, more cynical version of Paulie Shaw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And look, <laughs> it's that Brendan, that Brendan character from the Paulie Shaw verse is going through a lot of shit as this ageless being of Paulie Shaw just keeps coming back in every film. And look, if you flash forward 20 years and crawl Paulie Shaw's character from son-in-law was just homeless now. Still living at the university. Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the not... same university in a basement. I'm man. not amazed if those Paulie Shaw characters <laughs> <laughs> just through one thing and another. <laughs> Probably a lot of gambling debt. <laughs> Became homeless. Um, okay. Anyway, um, Simon gets gets sick again, and they're going to take him on a road trip to go and find his son. Yeah, because he thinks he's near that's death. His, that's basically, what he, that is, he basically says, "This is my last wish." I but wanna, if he does I that, see my son one time. Monty won't be able to submit his thesis on time, so he will not graduate with honors. But he will graduate with honor. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? Though? Yeah, you missed a letter. That's a little more. More though, you don't have honors. Ah, okay. You have your. You only have one honor. Some people personally. do have honors though when they graduate. It's with honors. Yeah, but that's not a personal quality of them. Oh. That's a quality of their qualification. Ah, uh, okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I don't. You know. You don't have distinction. N- no, <laughs> I wouldn't say that. Far bit. Far bit for me. No, too conformative. Yeah, but yeah. you know, when I get into a big old fist fight. <laughs> because someone was making an advance on my wife, you yep. know. I'm not defending her honours, am I? <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Unless that's what they were trying to do. They were like, give me that certificate. <laughs> no, I'm not, defending your honours. Not today of all days. Give <laughs> the me day of my graduation. Give me your give me your rigid Graduation hat, and I'll throw it like a throwing star. On the day of my daughter's graduation. The day of of honours. Anyway, so he gives up on that, and they go and find his son. His son is Gordon Gecko, basically. (laughs) Yeah, basically. He looks nothing like Joe Pesci at all, as you rightly pointed out. Oh, you spit an image of his mum. Mate, Yeah, don't know who the mum is. (laughs) Doesn't the mum... Is the direct opposite of Joe Pesci. Very tall. Um, yeah, and he's... I'm and, look, and look, it's not fun. It's not nice. No. He says, I don't have a father. He, and he says, um, you don't look like much. Oh, and his granddaughter so came out, the son's daughter. And she goes, who's that? And he says, that's nobody. And they just walk back inside. Oh, that Joe Pesci cry. Oof. Joe Pesci cries. And I just, I really liked how unrewarding that mm. was. It was very was like, that's a bold and cool and cool choice um because that's what life is like sometimes you know not always yeah. but yeah like there was there's really there's nothing schmaltzy about this movie no you know yeah it doesn't try, like panda it feels like yeah it's a sort of it's sort of a a movie for grown-ups in a weird way, I guess. So I kind of... Starring some college-age students. Yeah. All of... I really feel like they all just looked a bit too old. Well, they've been at college for just a little too long. Well, I mean, yeah, it is year four, but I don't know. They just look like <laughs> adults, you know. That's why they're living off campus. Cause they because know they know that they're... They just keep weirding everybody out <laughs> if they're on campus. Uh, People kept accidentally calling them dad. Yeah. <laughs> 
He becomes more unwell. They drive home. They start reading in Walt Whitman, obviously. And he passes away. I did like the montage. The reading montage was quite lovely. Very touching, yeah. Then there's the funeral. It's just the four of them. And he reads his obituary and they say he survived by... It says he survived by his family. And it's the four of them. And he has these heart-rending descriptions of all of them. Then it's graduation. And they're like, yay! And everyone throws their hats in the air. Extremely dangerous, as we discussed. <laughs> People must get injured by that all the time. It happens in the movies so often. Yeah. Like, uh, every... like it Those are happens. rigid hats. The only time in real life I've ever seen someone throw their rigid hat yeah. is, like, a woo girl who's graduating... Goes away from everybody else. But yeah, you do it on your own. Takes a photo of their own. Yeah, yeah, but like, and then a, runs away. A densely packed crowd of two hundred people, throwing, <laughs> surrounded by a fence, ninja stars, large ninja stars, large heavy ninja star. You like, you like, throw, take a picture, and then everyone just has to cower like there's a bomb <laughs> scare, hands overhead, while they hope they don't just get absolutely brained by <laughs> one of these hats. Uh, they all walk out freeze frame credits. Another great freeze frame ending. Mm. And then the song by Madonna plays that she wrote for this movie because she's presumably best mates. With Joe Pesci. With Alec oh. Kashishian. Damn it. Overall, not Overall, bad. not bad. Oh, not, and also he, sub- he completely rewrites his thesis and Gore Vidal likes it. Yeah. And but is like, everything you say is wrong, is but I kind of respect what you're doing. It's real good, but you were also like a little bit late, so you can't graduate. Cannot graduate with honors. You have no honor. Remember that forever. But this thesis is actually kind of sick, dude. I fucking love it. Hell yeah. Hang (laughs) hang 10. Turns his cap backwards. (laughs) Fucking flips out the window. (laughs) Yeah, then he'd skate, but then Gore Vidal skateboards out. And that's how this movie ends. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad at all. Not bad. I was... I was pleasantly surprised by the thing as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm... I wasn't that invested in it at the time. (laughs) You mean an hour ago. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm sort of liking it more the more I think about it, the more I reflect on it. It made a lot of choices that I really like. And, yeah, I mean, I think it it is missing those steps in terms of the character development. Mm Mm-hmm. But it also resists a lot of cliche steps that it could have done. Yeah, it does. It does. So that's pretty good. It's good. It's good. It's pretty good. It's in no way is it bad. In no way is it bad. Yeah. We've said that about a couple of these. We're like, and I, I enjoy, like, I enjoy you know that what? quite a lot. It's not bad. Mm. I mean, you know, you're not winning any Oscars, but it's not Yet. that bad. Okay, we're a ranking podcast. We don't score these movies. We rank them. Exactly. This is the ninth movie going on the list of all of Brendan Fraser's. Movies, mm-hmm. and I feel like this is probably going near the top. I feel like it's going to be at least third. Third is Son-in-Law. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious. I I have a feeling that this is sorry, a, this everyone. is going to okay. Now we're getting to interesting territory. Number two, number two on the list is School Ties, another mm. prestige education context movie. School Ties is trying to do a lot. I'm trying to remember it now. Well, it's all about oh, everyone's then they do the racist. Fake, then they do 12 Angry Men at the end, don't they? Yeah. I think this is better than that. I think this is better than School Ties, weirdly, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it. Mm-hmm. But I like guilty. I, I like Brendan's p- 
performance and arc in school ties more to be honest yes in this like he does fine but what is written for him as we said is just a little it's not as multi-dimensional as it should be as it could be yeah mm. and the number number one is presumed guilty i think that's still number one yeah because it's just sort of right down the line this is the story big emotion there's tension a, there's massive tension yeah time jumps big martin sheen martin sheen's a badass yeah yeah i think this is number two and do it do it. Yeah. Whip it in there. I'm whacking it in. Yeah, boy. You must be happy. You've been very excited to see Joe Pesci. I have. It was for, great. For I weeks en- you've I been saying Joe Pesci it. soon. Because <laughs> it's cool. And now the much more important ranking, which of all the Brendans would win in a fight? From eighth, oh, from eighth to first of all the Brendans <laughs> that would that would win in the fight. At the bottom of the list, younger and younger. You're not winning anything, mate. Fuck off. Fuck off. Fuck off. Child of Darkness, Mr. Lacrosse, not going to happen. 20 bucks, Marine does fighting. No. It was a um, No, that's dogfight. Sorry. 20, 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. He's just a guy. Dogfight, Marine does fighting. Presumed guilty, winning prison fights. He's doing good. Mm. Encino Man, he's a caveman. He's good at fighting. Son in law, caveman, who in my reading has been doing maybe some brazilian jiu-jitsu in the meantime so now he's better at fighting and he's had some good meals sure top of the list school ties wins multiple fights on screen naked including naked fights which is which which is and i think this cut above the rest this movie is our second naked phrase i believe we didn't get a naked phrase in this movie we did briefly after he and moira hook up he gets out of that's true and it's naked and you've got to Wasn't start paying more though. attention to these things. He didn't fight anyone naked. Yeah, he did. He's very good at running, though. So he's clearly in peak physical form. Is he good film. at running? Because he breaks his ankle when he's running. Well, he breaks his ankle because he's so stressed about that thesis that he's just lost. Yeah, but you'd be stressed in a fight. Was... You've got to have good spatial awareness. You do. I don't think he's going to be winning many fights. I don't think this guy's winning many fights. No, but I think he could take the cross kid. He's definitely. winning moral fights. He could definitely take... So he's beating Younger and Younger because that guy's a weird No bleep. one's ever going to lose to Younger and Younger. Is he beating Lacrosse? Is he beating John's friend from Child of Darkness? Yeah. Yeah, he's a bit older at least. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's in shape, isn't yeah. he? Um, is he beating the random guy from 20 Bucks? I think so. You think so? Yeah. <laughs> Why? Because that random guy... Oh, no, that random guy was in Freight and Logistics. <laughs> he carried loads. He did carry loads. He carried heavy He's things. He's probably got a, a bit of. But just... then he left the freight and logistics job to do deliveries and quit that and just said, I'm going tripping. Yeah. And then met up with his ex fiance's dad who said, Yeah, mate, I'm. I'm yeah. I'm sad you guys aren't together again anymore, but I'm proud and he's, of your life choices. And he's in that situation with the stripper and his fiance, and he just like doesn't control it, doesn't fight his way out no. of it. So I, I don't this... think he has the assertiveness needed yeah. to be good in a fight. I reckon this guy beats that guy. And then next is dogfight. Mo- oh, see, Marine... I want Monty to kick the shit out of a sailor, but... He wouldn't, though. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. He's number six on the list, yeah, Monty. Do it. Throw him in, throw him in. Is... <laughs> With honours is sixths out of nine in terms of which Brendan would win in a fight. And that's this movie. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you've been enjoying the show, you can follow us on Twitter at ExceptionalPod, on Instagram, ExceptionalThieves. Send us an email, ExceptionalThieves at gmail.com. Or you can find uh, S. Brookfield on TikTok. 
see some of my stand-up and clips of the show, which I need to do more of. I've been really behind with that. Next time, exciting times. It's Airheads, baby. That was that, like an electric guitar sound. Was that? Yeah. Was that? That's what that was. You sure? Yep. Okay. If you say so, mate. Ask the studio audience. What do you guys reckon? Ah, oh, they've left again. Oh, damn it. <laughs> we gotta we got to start being more honest with them about what they're coming in to watch. <laughs> we got to start locking the doors. we got to get the doors put back on after they burst out <laughs> through them last time we tried to lock them. Airheads. That was a tragic stampede. Yeah, airheads. We're coming back. We're co- we got we're, Steve Buscemi is back. We're do- it's a it's going to be a fun, cool time. It is going to be fun. We've got a clip from Airheads in our opening credits music, so it's, it should be good. And then we're back with Paulie Shaw again for in the oh, army now. Yay! And then I think it's the end of Paulie Shaw, not in life, but just for us. Kind of in the career though. Well, yeah, kind yeah. of. So sort of. In but life. you know, in his own words. Um. There's going to be plenty of time to talk about Paulie Shaw down the line. Um, anything else to add? No. No? No, I'm tired. All right. <laughs> we end where we began. <laughs> Hang ten, everybody. We'll uh, join us next time for more exceptional theft of your time. <laughs>